As the federal government aggressively moves into provincial jurisdiction, the question is, is the Canadian Federation working as it should? And does that have an impact on your prosperity and your freedom? A clear path forward requires looking back and learning. Good public policy requires human connection. It's a consideration of the facts, applying common sense and innovation. It's urban, it's rural, it's real life. We all have something to contribute. We all have a responsibility to get informed because there's a little piece of Canada in all of us, isn't there? Let's learn on this path together. This is Leaders on the Frontier. Well, today we're going to talk about that question with our guest, uh, Dr. Dennis Modry. Dr. Dennis is the board member and the founder of the Alberta Prosperity Institute. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you very much, Dave. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. I'm very excited to talk with you because um, you have a very interesting initiative and vision for renewing our country and uh, really looking at hard questions related to the operation of our federal system. And so my question to you is, where did you grow up, uh, Dennis? And uh, why did you found, uh, why were you one of the founders of the Alberta Prosperity Initiative? Sure. Uh, well, I was born in Camrose, raised in Edmonton, educated for 17 years, um, six in, at the U of A, eight at McGill, and three at Stanford. Came back to Alberta and started uh, Western Canada's first heart and lung transplant program and directed that in the ICU for 30 years. But in the background, um, during that time, I also played a role on the finance committee of the provincial government during the Getty, Klein, and Stelmac era. And um, what uh, I've been bothered for a long time consequent to the national energy policy and the harm that um, was caused to Western Canada, particularly Alberta and Saskatchewan as a result. And so I've been concerned about um, federal overreach of provincial constitutional authority for quite some time. And I guess um, it really came to focus for me uh, in 2003, when Ralph Klein and I were having a chat at the annual general meeting in Red Deer, and um, I said to Ralph, uh, and at that time there was tremendous dysfunctional communication between Kretchen and, and Ralph Klein, mm -hmm. and uh, about a number of issues, mainly provincial jurisdiction versus federal jurisdiction. And so I said to Ralph, I said, I think I've got a solution to fix the dysfunctional relationship between Alberta and Ottawa. And he says, you do? And I says, yeah, would you like to hear about it? And he said, um, absolutely. So I said, well, Ralph, it's based on this question. If you were the president or the prime minister of the sovereign country of Alberta and Canada came to you and said, we would like Alberta to join Confederation under the current terms and cost of membership, would you? And I'll always remember his response. Uh, he said, to ask the question is to know the answer. Of course not. So I said, well, I'm glad you said that because the corollary is, don't you think you and caucus have a moral and an economic responsibility to Albertans wow. to fix this dysfunctional relationship? And he said, yeah, I guess we do. And I said, well, look, I'm working on a document that defines the algorithm of how to do this. So once I've completed it, let's meet. And so I completed the document. It's about 48 pages in length. Mm -hmm. vetted through constitutional lawyers, academics, prominent politicians like Don Mazankowski, 
um, engineers, other physicians, etc. And then I met with Ralph in his office in 2003, and we went through it. And he asked me if I would be interested in presenting it to caucus. I said, yeah, I would. And he said to me, um, okay, well, well, we'll make it happen. And then a couple of weeks later, we were work my secretary and I were working on the PowerPoint presentation. And uh, the chief of staff calls me and says, you're not going to present a caucus. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, your document is about separation. And um, I said, no, it isn't. It's not about separation. You missed the point entirely. The document was entitled Alberta at the Crossroads, Status Quo, We Do Nothing, Refederation, We Fix the Dysfunctional Relationship, or Autonomy. And autonomy, in my mind at that time, meant Alberta independence, becoming an independent sovereign nation. But the essence of the document was about leverage. Mm -hmm. What is the leverage that Alberta could use to fix the dysfunctional relationship that it has with Ottawa, which has only become worse subsequent to Ralph's retirement. Mm -hmm. And um, could that leverage not just fix Alberta's relationship with Ottawa, but, but fix the dysfunctional relationship that other provinces mm -hmm. also have with Ottawa? And that was the essence of it. It was it was really and it still is. It's all about leverage. And um, and so as a result of what's been happening to us in the last, you know, 15, 18 years, um, our freedoms have become progressively restricted and our economy uh, progressively compromised and um, inflation. Um, and the cost of living only getting worse. And so mm -hmm. therefore, our quality of life and our standard of living is going down. So, so, so just to clarify here, just to recap, Dennis. So you're, you're really challenging us to look at the relationship between the federal government, not just the relationship with the province, namely Alberta, but all provinces and say that this relationship isn't working in, anymore. And it matters to us because it's about freedom and prosperity. Is that it? That's, that's in essence it. And we felt very strongly that Alberta was in probably the strongest position to drive the um, agenda mm -hmm. of fixing this dysfunctional relationship that, that Alberta and other provinces have with, uh, with uh, Canada. So we've come up with the belief that if we can save Alberta, we can save the rest of Canada. Hmm. Wow. So Dennis, you've outlined a very ambitious agenda. And so I'm going to ask a dumb question. So why does this matter to Albertans, let alone Canadians? Like, why why should I care about the fact that some governments get along together and play well together in this wonderful federal relationship that we call Canada? Well, fundamentally, you know, um, when you consider what is going on, um, are, are Albertans in general okay with being overgoverned, overregulated, and overtaxed? The answer is no. Are we okay with the relentless attacks on our uh, hydrocarbon industry, mm -hmm. which generates over 8,000 products that the world uses, not just for transportation uh, and heating and cooling? Um, are we uh, here in Alberta, are we okay with um, the, the um, uh, the relentless attack, if you will, um, on our 
prosperity um, with the climate agenda? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, are we willing to endure, you know, what what is going on there? Are we okay with uh, wokeness, cancel culture, and critical race theory? No, we're not. We're not okay with that. There's a number of there's a number of issues, uh, you know, that 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 we are facing that we think other regions are upset with as well. Um, not the least of which, for example, might be, um, are you okay with biological males competing with females in sports? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with the teaching of multiple genders um, and the grooming of children in, in elementary school? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you okay with, um, for example, um, the authoritative figures pushing puberty blockers and the surgical mutilation of children under the age of 18 before the age of consent. Are we okay? Many in Alberta are not. What about the, uh, what about the issue of parental rights uh, to um, control the upbringing uh, and the education of their children? That is being eroded. Uh, what about the issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion mm-hmm. as the basis for hiring, advancement, and, and scholarship. Um, many of us are not, are not happy with that, but we're not the only ones. It's the same thing elsewhere in Canada. And what about, what about the uh, federal government and the liberal media blocking uh, conservative thought? Mm-hmm. Um, and what about schools, colleges, and universities, for example, censoring um, conservative thought uh, and and preventing debates in which a conservative conservative perspective might be uh, presented. Okay, so 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 part of this is Dennis. In this context, though, all those issues are very important. But aren't a lot of those things under provincial control? Well, uh, no, it 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 isn't. I mean, if you look at Bill C eleven and Bill C-18 of the federal government, Bill C-11 um, prevents uh, content uh, being produced by anybody uh, that is at variance with what the federal government would want. Um, so it's a form of, of the prevention of free speech. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with Bill C-18, which is the Online, online News Act. Mm-hmm. So, so these kinds of things um, cut across the entire spectrum in Alberta uh, and, and, and across Canada and across, you know, any jurisdictions that want to, uh, you know, prevent free speech. I mean, if you think about it, probably the most fundamental basic tenet of democracy is the ability to express an opinion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, that is, and that is being squelched. So there are many, many things that, that cannot be fixed. Now, if you take in Alberta and in any province, what can a province do that does not require opening and changing the constitution? It can take control of policing, such as has occurred in Ontario and Quebec. They have their own provincial police force. It can take control of policing, pensions, immigration, employment insurance, provincial tax collection. Well, why take control of pensions from an Alberta perspective? Because we overfund the pension plan by $3 billion a year. Why would we want to take control of employment insurance? Because we overfund it by a billion dollars a year. Why do we want to have control of immigration? Not dissimilar to Quebec, 
right? We want to be able to ensure that immigration meets the needs of the region. Um, and it doesn't mean to say that we don't have a heart for people that are displaced, mm -hmm. but that has to be controlled. Wow. And the way the federal government is operating right now, it certainly isn't controlled. But what can't we do? Mm -hmm. What requires leverage yeah. that Albertans want? Well, we can't take control of federal taxation. Mm -hmm. EU has the gold rules. We give $60 billion a year to Ottawa through federal taxes. We get back 23. What's that 33 used for? Because we didn't get a cent of it in return. Mm -hmm. So it's used for virtue signaling causes that don't align with what Albertans want to see happen. So, so the bottom line here, Dennis, is that your vision is really quite an ambitious one that says Albertans want to take better control of their own province so it reflects the needs and aspirations of that community. Is that the bottom line? Well, that is the, that is the bottom line. And there are a number of things that yeah. require leverage in order to achieve that right. objective. That's now, when you say important. leverage, do you mean uh, gaining control? Or I think that word would be foreign to our audience. What do you mean by leverage? Lever leverage means the right now we have an imbalance uh, of power between the federal government and the provincial government. How do we solve that imbalance of power? When we want something, we talk from the federal government, let's say we want to end equalization, which is a good um, metaphor uh, to deal with all of the things that we would like to see happen. So we had a referendum in Alberta, right? And in 2020, October of 2020, and that referendum um, was supported by and, the populace. And I should just clarify, what is equalization and what was the referendum about? Well, that was equalization um, was, a, was a, a process that was started in 1957. Um, and it was legislated uh, into law at that time. And from 1957 to 1965, Alberta was the recipient of funds that came to help build Alberta at that particular time. So equalization really is, is a uh, concept in which funds from wealthier provinces are transferred to poorer regions so that they have similar social programs, similar, similar yeah. opportunities. Well, it's like everything, things can get abused. And so between 1965 and, and this date, nearly $700 billion has left Alberta for which we've not received a cent in return. Wow. Nearly 700 billion. And that's consequent to equalization and the national energy policy. Mm -hmm. The national energy policy is important to understand in this context as well. Exactly. So Dennis, if we look at the really big picture then, we're as a country in a bit of a quandary here where yeah. you have all these differences and disagreements are really about really different worldviews about how we're going to live our lives as Canadians. You have a federal government that is, in many respects, pursuing very radical policies. They're, they're really socialists in many respects. On the other hand, you have provinces who have their governments who are not of that worldview. They believe yes. that parents should have rights over their children as minors. Yes. Yes. Uh, as one example of many. So there's different, it's a kind of a clash of worldviews. And right. so you're saying that, 
gosh, we've got to grab a hold of this constitutional relationship because it's not serving us as a provincial community. Is that another right. way to say it? Yes, yes, it is. Because if you want to fix the dysfunctional uh, situation in Canada, you have to be able to get the provinces to come together with the federal government and change the constitution. Uh -huh. And viva la difference. Let the different provinces um, use the... Um, the, the people of that province and the resources that they have to create the kind of province that they want. Exactly. And then let's, yep. let's share the differences rather than try and make every province right. exactly the same. But the problem is to change the constitution, there are five hurdles. And very briefly, you have to have seven of 10 provincial legislatures representing 50% of the population to agree to change the constitution. Right. Can Two, you repeat that again? What's that condition? Well, there are five. And the first condition is you have to get seven of 10 provincial legislatures mm -hmm. that represent 50% of the population to agree to open and change the constitution. Then any constitutional changes have to be approved by a majority vote in the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. And we don't have representation by population. So if it's a resolution to change the constitution that 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 benefits the West at the expense of the East, the East won't support it, exactly. such as yeah. ending equalization. Third hurdle is you have to have a majority vote in the Senate mm -hmm. to change the Constitution. The fourth hurdle is Quebec has a veto, even though they didn't sign the 1982 Constitution Act. And the fifth hurdle is that when there's a constitutional battle, it will be decided by the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has nine justices, all appointed from the prime minister's office, three from Quebec, three from Ontario, one from uh, Eastern Canada, and two from the West. So we've seen wow. how constitutional battles uh, play out. We've seen it with the carbon tax. We've seen, and we're gonna see it with the Impact Assessment Act, but we've also seen it with uh, the attempt to change the constitution with the Charlottetown Accord mm -hmm. and the uh, Meech Lake Accord, they both failed. So but fundamentally, there hasn't been an ability to change the constitution. Why is that? Because we don't have leverage. The rules are all tilted in one direction. Right. So the right. odds of changing anything here are really pretty. Well, it's, imp it, it, it's impossible to, you know, some people have said, well, let's have a constitutional conference to change the constitution. Yeah. That isn't going to happen. And even if there is one, you're never going to do it. And it'll take years, if not mm -hmm. decades, wow. uh, to change anything. But like you can see is... how that, that summary of rules and yeah. the way things operate is just like another poke in the eye of so many people in the West. And it just mm -hmm. stokes the resentment. And again, the Western alienation. This is a serious dynamic in our country, is it not? Well, well, it is a serious dynamic, and it goes right back to 1904 with what Clifford Sifton said. Mm -hmm. And that is that the, um, the West has been brought into uh, Canadian Confederation to serve the interests of the East. And mm -hmm. damn whatever happens to the West, wow. we will take it all. So, But there is a solution, and that solution is what we are working on. And it is a legal solution. Uh, defined by the Supreme Court. Okay, so I, I do want to get to that, uh, and I want to show a clip that sure. mentions you, Dennis. Okay. The or else is Dennis Modry and the Alberta Prosperity Project. It's true. We um, 
proclaimed into law on April the 7th the Citizen Initiative Act, which gives the people the power to collect signatures for a petition campaign to propose a, an amendment. If it's a simple matter of policy, it's a 10% threshold. If it's a constitutional change, it's a 20% threshold. That would mean 600,000 signatures. And as I understand it, Dr. Modri has a million people on his database. So part of when I decided I wanted to run, I knew how important it was to make sure that we address the issues of autonomy. And I talked to Dr. Modri as one of my first steps. I said, let's try this together. Let's get as much autonomy as we can. Full well knowing that he's got the power, you've got the power. If we're not successful, and this is why I take your movement very, very seriously, and why Justin Trudeau should take it very, very seriously too, because you have the power to be able to be the URLs. Wow. So that's uh, Premier Daniel Smith talking about you, Dennis Modry, and that movement that you represent. And what is she trying to say? What, what, what is, can you help us understand what's going on there? What we recognized was um, a legal pathway to solve the problem of the imbalance in power between the federal and provincial governments at the negotiating table. And what made me think about it was the equalization referendum that occurred um, in Alberta. So there was a referendum re um, in October of 2020 mm -hmm. to end equalization. Um, and that was passed by 62% of the people who voted in the province of Alberta. But nothing was done with it because Jason Kenney was smart enough to know that he didn't have the ability to, to end equalization. Just because he had a referendum, mm -hmm. he would have to take that referendum, go to Ottawa and um, have a meeting with Ottawa and the other provinces and say, we want to end equalization. He knew that couldn't happen because there are five hurdles to change the constitution. Mm -hmm. That's what, what, that's what would have had to have happened is to overcome those five hurdles. So it was a virtue signaling campaign only. It looked uh, good. The politics look good. Is that what you're saying? It, the, the politics look good, but the fact that he never did anything with it was because he couldn't. Hmm. So the question was raised in my mind, well, how do we get leverage? Now, imagine, again, the provincial government is armed now with a referendum that gives, it the, give it, that gives it the right to negotiate Alberta's exit from Canada. Okay, okay. imagine well, This that. is why I understand now the word, you keep repeating it, leverage. Leverage. So Alberta hmm. is now armed with that referendum is meeting with Ottawa and the other provinces, but now it has leverage. It solved the problem of the imbalance in power. And it says to Ottawa and the other provinces, these are the things that we want. And probably would say to the other provinces, I'll bet you want those things too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If Alberta doesn't get those things after a period of negotiation, it has the moral and legal legitimacy to leave Canada. Okay. Now, if you want to fix the problems, the dysfunctional relationship that Alberta and other provinces have with the federal government, you need to have the leverage to do that. And wow. the only thing that can work is the threat of breaking up Canada. And for those people, for example, that are Canada first and their province second, 
they need to understand there's no other solution. If you're, if you're willing to accept the progressive restrictions on your freedoms and prosperity that are being imposed on you, and you, and you want to be completely controlled mm-hmm. in everything that you buy and everywhere you go and everything that you do, fill your boots, you know? Um, don't vote for secession then okay. in, an, in, in a referendum. But if you want change, if you really want change, if you want what Quebec has, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to stand up for yourself. Wow. So this is a way to do it. I, I think for most Canadians, Dennis, this would be reality therapy. It's really about creating a better relationship for that serves actual provinces, not just the federal agenda. So as we look to the next steps and as we wrap up our discussion here, Dennis, what can citizens do? How can they get involved uh, in terms of this issue? What they can do uh, is they can they can uh, become members of the Alberta Prosperity Project. They can contribute to the Alberta Prosperity Project. They can share the message uh, with their friends. They can go to the Alberta Prosperity Project website, and at the Alberta Prosperity Project website is outlined the rationale to empower the provincial government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Okay, so a key thing is you're uh, challenging citizens um, whether, whether they see their, themselves as a citizen of Alberta or Canada to get involved and to speak up, to learn more about the uh, Prosperity Project, but to talk with your elected officials, both federal and uh, provincially, and say, we want a better deal. Is that right? We want a better deal. We recognize that we can't change the Constitution easily. Convince me otherwise. Um, and... Uh, and here is, here is a process that can work. Here's a process that can actually um, not only empower your provincial government, but put the power back in the hands of the people, okay? Well, I mean, yeah. this, this, this is about putting the power back in the hands of the people. And there's really no other, there's really no other way to do it. And you watch what happens at the uh, UCP AGM this coming November 3rd and 4th. I think the, the, the country's going to be very interested in what happens in Alberta. All right. Well, well said, uh, Dennis Modry, uh, board member, founder of the Alberta Prosperity Institute. Thank you for joining our conversation today about how we can not only renew Alberta's relationship with the federal government, but also renew the country and bring more power back to the people. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much, David. It's been a a pleasure and I look forward to uh, uh, many, many more times to meet and discuss how we move forward together. Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier. Visit fcpp.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free. Comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.